0: Now. I don't know who he is behind that mask of his, but I do know when we need him, and we need him now.
1: I'll call him. For some reason, the cool bars in Hollywood have to be hard to find and have no sign.
2: This is the Cocktail Nation. Well fresh from visiting my tailor, which would be one of my favourite manly things to do besides visiting the barbershop or getting my shoes shined, it is Lounge Leader Coop Cooper with you. Mr Gary Wells joins me on the radio this week talking all things Edie Sedgwick, the American actress and fashion model known for being one of Andy Warhol's superstars and she became known as the Girl of the Year in 1965. Speaking of books, I shall also bring you a book I'm currently reading, one that's sitting on my bedside table. Let's kick off now with... Warner Chapel Production and Femme Fatale on the Cocktail This is the Cocktail Nation. Nation with the Exotic Lounge there and last official website, CocktailNation.net, to see what's going on in the Sydney penthouse. World of Swing Gig Guide and, of course, links to Lounge Life magazine and links to the socials as well to follow what's going on in the Sydney penthouse.
3: Cocktail Nation. Words with WebZ. Huh?
2: You're a librarian. Mr. Wordsworth. You're in books and two-cent and pamphlets and clothes stacks on the musty insides of a language factory. Words, Mr.
4: Words,
2: people.
1: I suppose Edie thought of herself as a caterpillar that had turned into a butterfly. She had thought of herself as just another kid in a big, rather unhappy family, and all of a sudden, the spotlights were on her and she was being treated as something very, very special, but inside she felt like a lump of dirt. Then when she was being paid less attention to, she didn't know who she was, and she went kind of mad. Hey gang, I'm Gary Wells from SoulRideBlog.com and I'm here with this month's book recommendation for the Cocktail Nation. This time we're looking at Edie, American Girl, by Jean Stein edited with George Plimpton from 1982. You're cruising along in the wonderful world of vintage media and everything's swell, right? Then you run into something that brings to the fore the horrors inherent in celebrity. This happened to me in the spring of 2021 when I stumbled on Edie Sedgwick. But it's too easy to say that her life was tragic and serves as a warning, period. Because equally as apparent as the sadness of her premature death is the utter thrill to be found in learning about this captivating firefly. Perhaps the best way to accomplish this is by reading the book we're looking at today. Author and editor Jean Stein had been a friend and contemporary of Edie's and she worked with regular collaborator and Sedgwick family friend George Plimpton to create this unique book. By the time it was released in 1982, Edie Sedgwick had been largely forgotten. This book not only returned her to her rightful place in popular culture, it was also celebrated as, in the words of Norman Mailer, the book of the 60s that we have been waiting for. Poor Jean Stein suffered from depression later and leapt to her death from her Manhattan apartment when she was 83. There is neither preamble in this book nor actual text. It is all presented in the form of interviews conducted by Stein. 250 people were interviewed over a 10-year period and, for the most part, what they had to say is presented verbatim and in their own conversational style. With excerpts from interviews Edie herself gave, this method provides a perhaps surprisingly comprehensive look at Edie's life and times. Those interviewed range from Edie's siblings to people who never met her, but who understood her and her environment. The early pages detail Edie's startling heritage, and the physical beauty and polished style of her parents and siblings. Then a switch is flicked that fractures the family, and Edie follows her dreams to New York City where she finds success modeling. More than that though, she defines a distinctive, refreshing new look and becomes one of the faces of her generation. At the halfway point of American Girl, the reader can plainly see that, only through the use of interviews, remember, the story of Edie Sedgwick is well plotted from her life as a child at home, to leaving home, to her brother's tragic deaths, and the effect on Edie of Andy Warhol and his tenuous and slightly toxic world. Speaking of Warhol, the book takes time to tell his story as well, through the words of people who perhaps did not know Edie much at all, but who were intimates of Andy. This rankled me a bit at first. I didn't care to know much about Warhol, due to the fact that I don't care much for him. Firstly, I never understood his art to begin with, and secondly, when you learn Edie's story and then look at Andy from that perspective, he doesn't come out looking very good. Thing is, Jean Stein and her book know better. Stein knows that Edie's tale is inseparable from Warhol's, and Andy must play a large part in any book about Edie. Unfortunately, it was while working at the factory with Andy Warhol that Edie began to feel the physical effects of her dependency on speed. What Gene Stein's book makes clear to the reader is that the fun of Warhol's world and his filmmaking style could never have led to any real success or a big payday. It was too out there. It's legit, I suppose, to criticize the mainstream, but unfortunately that's where the money is, not in films that say nothing. Edie, of course, never made the move to mainstream, and also never had a dime. Instead, she stayed broke and had loads of destructive fun. The book relates, in fact, that Edie lost the chance to work for Vogue magazine, a job that would have afforded her a certain amount of protection, because she was always connected in the gossip columns with the drug scene and Andy Warhol's factory. At this point, it's clear to the reader that the book charts a true course, through all the mini eras of Edie's life and, again, all solely through the use of interviews, no small feat. In the later stages of the book you can feel the descent begin. Knowing the nature of what is to come doesn't make the downward ride any less compelling. You begin to see that eventually the book doesn't really report stages of Edie's life as it becomes less about living and more about one drug reaction after another. Jonathan Sedgwick shares the story of his having brought a yogi around to Edie's wedding. The yogi was reading palms. He took one look at Edie's, paused and looked up at her she looked back with a sad and knowing grin and said, Yes, I know. By the time Edie's brother has related this story, the reader has no choice but to face the inevitable. Edie's husband, Michael Post, makes a brief appearance and is one of the saddest players in this morose tale. Hearing the details of Edie's death from her husband is quite harrowing. The book illuminates Edie Sedgwick's status as a damsel in distress. Readers, especially perhaps male readers, feel like if only they were there in Edie's life, they could have saved her. But that's one of the tragic things about her story. Those interviewed make it clear that not only was she not to be saved, but she likely would have taken you over the edge with her. No one could have saved her. Edie, American Girl is a triumph. The scores of interviews are coordinated and sequenced perfectly by Stein and Plimpton. This book works due in part to the scores of different people who were interviewed, including those essential to telling Edie's story, such as her siblings and her widowed husband. For the full and true story of the life of Edie Sedgwick, this book is the place to start. Also, check out my piece on her at SoulrideBlog.com. None of my articles has been read more. So to wrap up, I can highly recommend Edie American Girl by Jean Stein and George Plimpton. You can find plenty of copies for sale at Abe Books. If you'd like to read the full review of this book, you can head over to my website. I'd like to thank Coop Cooper and Cocktail Nation once again. This is Gary Wells from SoulRideBlog.com, and I'm encouraging you to pick up a book.
3: Wells with Cocktail Nation. Where's the bottle?
4: Dust ball, Mix it up.
1: Sit and wait.
2: Is a burning baby.
3: more now uh-huh. <sighs> Okay, let's
4: get it off Now, let's blow it, baby.
3: Cocktail Nation
0: Long distance run around Long time waiting to feel the sound I still remember the dream (laughs) you <laughs>
2: Cogtonation with Dizzy Gillespie there, karaoke from the 1964 album Dizzy Goes to Hollywood. Official magazine is Lounge Life Magazine. It's a flipboard magazine and it's free with your retro stories updated weekly. We've got one on Billy Holiday's former New York home, which is on the market for $13.99 million. And the top 10 jazz classics from Ella Fitzgerald, Frank Sinatra, and more. Links via the website, cogtonation.net, for Lounge Life Magazine. You're free. Retro Flipboard Magazine.
3: On the Cocktail Nation Copago is Deep.
2: They should announce the sequel to Groundhog Day, but then just re release the original movie.
3: Very Deep Cocktail Nation. Je ne sais pas si est le
1: plus blonde, le plus belle, n'en
0: est pas pour moi. Elle est vraiment.
4: Toute la joie du monde, ma vie commence dès que je la vois
0: et je fais gros. Oh.
2: Across North America, this is the Cocktail Nation.
3: Gelotario DJ Cocopa
0: Cocktail
3: Nation and do the things that I've wanted to all through the day I haven't had the nerve to tell you I adore you I need a more romantic atmosphere I guess But now the moon is out So darling, I implore you Please tell me you'll say yes This may be the night The night I've dreamed about For oh so long To waste it is oh so wrong dream
2: with Jeannie Smith there, and tonight. Also played Paige DeLancey from Sydney with Black Coffee and Ray Ventura and Cece Bon. Today, much more stuff going on. <laughs> the master of suspense who terrified audiences with movies like Psycho and The Birds considered himself an avophobe, someone who was frightened of eggs. Alfred Hitchcock explained in an interview in 1963... I'm frightened of eggs. Worse than frightened, they revolt me. That white round thing without any holes. And when you break it inside, there's that yellow thing. Round, without any holes. Blood is jolly, red. But egg yolk is yellow, revolting. I've never tasted it. If Alfred Hitchcock was alive today, I'd like to throw an egg at him. Well, that's about it, Stuff fans. We'll have more for you at another time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Here's Anne Gestaya and I'm Hip.
5: Jumpsuit and a lengthy bang Cause I'm hip I dig I'm in step When it was hip to be hep I was hep Perhaps Blue Ribbon in a can and gaily My ukulele Follow me on Instagram cause I'm hip If I Prattle too fast On my edgy podcast Tumblr and Skype on my iPad. I'm too much. I read blogs. I wear locally sourced vegan clogs. When I hang around the flea, artisanal duck served from a truck. Show On Vimeo, I just blocked all my Facebook friends cause I'm hip. I'm hip, but I'm not weird. <laughs> like you notice, I don't have a beard. My beard made me look like a dude. <laughs> just keeping it real, facial hair's no big deal. If beards are your bag, I don't mean to be rude. Cause I'm hip. I tweet from my bike. I knit sweaters for tykes sold on Etsy, collect my own eggs from my prize heirloom hens Jean and Betsy. Yeah, I'm cool, as a cute? I'm a cat, I'm a card, I'm a kook. I draw zombie cartoons, rang-a-dang-dang, it ain't no thing. Yeah, I'm him, hey I'm him What it, it is I'm him a scoop that blue blue hip Yeah you know it girl
3: word, Word you mother Cooked in
2: Tail Nation, follow the lounge leader today. and Jerry Gallon, their time on my hands visited the tailor this week uh, a fellow I've been going to for a very very long time there's something special about having a terrific tailor there's it, to me for when it comes to manly things it's a little bit like going to the to the barber shop there's just something amazing about it and a great tailor is just terrific I was able to go in there and come out with a perfectly fitted suit there's nothing better than it that's for sure. And, of course, it's the whole experience. This particular guy I've been going to, who's been around since 1895, no, not him, his family, five generations have owned the shop. It's just amazing, and I always keep going back there. It's just terrific. Now, one man who liked to get his suits tailored, never off the rack, was Cary Grant, and I picked up this terrific book over the weekend called Cary Grant, A Brilliant Disguise by Scott Eyman. came out in 2020, and it's the second Cary Grant book that I've actually read in the last few years. Uh, What an amazing character. I've only just started the book, but at the very beginning, there's a story about how this young man comes up to Cary Grant and he says, oh man, I wish wish I could be Cary Grant. And Cary Grant said, me too. <laughs> the whole thing about Cary Grant, of course, is that he was really playing a character in many ways and he said that he often still felt like Archie Leach. Anyway, you might like to check that out. Cary Grant, a brilliant disguise by Scott Eyman. Here's David Cabanara now on The Cocktail Nation. A cucumber with you for the Cocktail Nation official website, cocktailnation.net, and you can connect with us via social media through the links on the website here in the Sydney Penthouse.
4: Deep deep Yeah.
2: A microphone. A dimly lit apartment. The Cocktail Nation. nation next to where the stone gods of Bimini. Next week, Jason Whiten from Spy Vibe is back with us. Going to leave you with the three suns and fly me to the moon. Stay happy.